take your Bibles this morning, and I'll, I'll listen uh, with God's help. I'll preach this quickly today, and I'll not get you out of here, if any, later at all. I'll not get, at, get you out of here much later than we normally would. But um, I appreciate the song, and I believe, it has, uh, I believe it's paved the way for the message that I'm about to bring. Uh, listen, I hope you'll be back tonight. We're going we're gonna to enjoy communion together this evening, and so that's always a special time. And then, Lord willing, we'll give you a very brief, since we're doing communion tonight, we'll give you a very brief lesson on the Holy Spirit. But uh, whatever you do, don't, don't miss tonight. We're looking forward to a great, great time. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in your Bibles, when you find your place, if you're able to stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word. I don't know why it was necessarily a few days ago, the Spirit of God really began to burden my heart, and I just felt a burden, a heavy burden, to preach a message on the second coming of Christ. And so uh, I don't know that I do, but I, after uh, all these years of preaching, I'm sure I have probably, probably at least a dozen, probably several dozen, be quite honest with you, several dozen messages on the second coming. And so when the Holy Spirit began to lead me concerning uh, preaching a message on this, I thought, well, I'll just go back in the archives and I'll dig out one of those messages. And some of those were preached years ago and, and, uh, and I can, you know, bring that out and and freshen it up and, and preach that. Be a little easier on my week. And I was getting ready to do that. And the Holy Spirit said, you don't need to do that. You just need to read the scripture. And so I was like, yes, sir, that's what I'll do. So I just went back and started reading the scripture that I've read many times. You've read it many times. And like he has done many times, he gave me fresh bread from heaven. And I want to give you that today. First Corinthians chapter 15. And I want you to look at verse number 20. The Bible says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits. Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming and notice this next phrase in verse 24, then cometh the end. Then cometh the end. When he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father. When he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Same chapter, but I want you to skip down to verse number 50, if you will, verse 50. Paul says, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. And so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Old death, and that's what they were singing about. Old death, where is thy sting? Old grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Then cometh the end. You may be seated this morning. I want to talk to you about that statement just a little bit today, and I'll do this quickly. Uh, whatever you do, though, I hope you'll hang on every word this morning, and, and uh, let's just pray because, you know, we know that uh, in a great service like this, we know that, that Satan would love to, to try to hinder and distract, and let's pray that the devil is not able to do that. You know what? The Bible says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Do you know God can bind God can bind the powers of darkness. Do you know that? Do you know that Satan and Satan and uh, God are not on the same level? Satan is a created being. God created Satan. And God can control Satan, 
as just as well as he created Satan. And we need to pray that God would do that today and that the Lord would get the truth out this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the privilege to be here today. I love it, Lord. It's just wonderful. It's been a spirit of worship all morning. And we just thank the Lord. We praise the Lord for that. God, thank you for the great testimonies. And then, Lord, thank you for this heaven-ordained song that has encouraged so many this morning. And, Lord, has also, I believe, paved the way for the message that you've given us for today. And so, Spirit of God, would you bind the powers of darkness and keep them away from this place and this people and, yes, even this preacher. And, Lord, best we know how, we plead the blood of Christ over this service. And I pray that you do something very unique and very special and very supernatural. Father, encourage those that are desperately in need of encouragement today and save those that are desperately in need of salvation. Help us, we pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake we pray and all the Lord's people said, amen. When we talk about the return of Christ and the coming of the end, and we know the coming of the end is, is sure, when we talk about these things, it's not a question of if is it going to happen, if it is going to happen, but rather when it is going to happen. And somebody says, Pastor, do you really believe it's going to happen? Oh, it's going to happen. There's no, there's no reason to debate about that or argue about that. There's no preference there. There are some things in the Word of God that we can agree to disagree on, and there are some things that are preferential that, that, we, would not, uh, that we would not separate fellowship over but then at the same time, there are some things in the word of God or what we would call a cardinal doctrine of scripture. And one of those is the return of Christ. Friend, it's gonna happen. And there's nothing that you can do, there's nothing that I can do, there's nothing you can say or I can say that's gonna change that. Just mark it down. The coming of the Lord is a fact. It's a reality. It's a reality. And now I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't see how it can be very long. I believe it's soon. I believe the coming of the Lord is soon. I, I believe it is just around the corner. And uh, sure as I say that, people say, yeah, preacher, you know what? You're right. You know, with all the wickedness that's going on in our land, all the just absolute wickedness and the insanity, seemingly insanity of our, of our politicians, and it really is. You know what, church? We might, just, we might as well just tell like it is. It really is insanity. Can we just... And I know this is Sunday morning. I'm not going to get lost in this. But it is insanity. Listen, when you don't know which bathroom to use, that's insanity. When you don't know whether to put a dress or pants on or stockings or rouge or lipstick or whatever these women use, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> That's my point right there. I don't know. That's, that's, what, that's my point. I don't know. Now, my wife knows, but I don't know. You know, it's just insanity. And we have politicians that are trying to stand up in America and pass legislation that says that nobody really knows what they are. You don't know if you're a man or a woman. And now, and here's the thing, when you start fiddling with all that stuff and changing all that, so now we don't know what the definition of marriage is. So, it used to be that definition of marriage was put between a man and a woman. So now we're changing that. You say, Pastor, don't go there. Too late. Too late. Already there. Now, wait a minute. Now, here's the problem. When you start fiddling with all that and you start changing all that, where do you stop? So now we don't know exactly what marriage is, so that means that if we don't know who we're supposed to be married to, that means we don't know how many we're supposed to be married to. Is that right? People say, well, you're discriminating. You know, you're discriminating. If you say that marriage is only between a man and a woman, you're discriminating, okay? What about the man who wants to be married to five women? And you pass legislation for that? Well, you know, you're discriminating against that man. You say, preacher, that's right. I think they ought to have 30 women. <laughs> man. I can't handle the one of God. What are you talking about at 30, you know? No, 
man, wait a minute now. I don't want to, I, I, I told you I'm not going to get off on all that, and I'm not going to get off on all that, but, uh, but I'm just telling you, you know, when I, when I say the Lord is coming, people instantaneously, people say, preacher, you're right, because of all the wickedness and because of the, uh, uh, the, def- the defilement and all the things that are going on, not even around the world, but the things that are going on in America, preacher, it is evident that the Lord is coming. And you're right about that, but I want to say something else. There's something else that we're seeing. We're not only seeing wickedness prevail, but we are seeing the fires of revival burn. (laughs) So yes, there are a lot of bad things that are going on, but I'm telling you, church, something's going on. Something's in the air. Listen, uh, some of our folks testified of it in the choir this morning. Uh, it was a year ago, about a year ago today, really, that revival broke out at Calvary Baptist Church and folks began to get saved. And we ended up having, I think, 106 people came to the Lord during that time. And, uh, but here's the thing. It's not just at Calvary. Listen, it's happening all over, the, all over America and churches are experiencing revival and, and things that are happening across the world. There are countries right now that are experiencing a great wave of revival. You say, Pastor, what's going on? You know what I believe it is? I believe Jesus is about to come. I believe the Lord's coming. I believe he's coming. And I believe it's sooner than later. And so you mark it down. It's not a question of if. He's coming. He's coming. You know, but here, here's the problem. And I, re- I read a story this week about uh, at, a, uh, uh, at a certain theater, they were getting ready to perform. And right before the performance was to start, a fire broke out backstage. And uh, I'm talking about a, a bona fide fire broke out. And so one of the guys was a clown, was in the uh, performance, ran out to the front of the stage and said, folks, listen to me, uh, the theater's on fire. And when he said that, everybody began to laugh. He was in his clown costume and his face was all painted up and, uh, painted up and he had his red nose on and his hair. And, and he said, folks, he said, the, the building's on fire. And they just cackled and laughed. And he said, no, 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 I'm not kidding. He said, the building is on fire. And then they laughed louder. And you know what it seems like? The more preachers preach on the second coming of Christ, the more the, more the world looks on and says, no, it's not gonna happen. It's just one big, gigantic joke. Now, let me say several things this morning concerning the return of Christ. Number one, the return of Christ will occur in two stages. Uh, number one, it will occur in what we call the rapture of the church in the air. Now, uh, these are probably not even good pictures, but I, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. And so I wanted at least, uh, since we've got screens and the Lord's given us technology, we might as well use it. And, uh, and uh, sometimes a, uh, a picture will stay in somebody's mind. I want, you to, I want you to think about the rapture. Let me tell you what the rapture is. Uh, the rapture is when Jesus will come, not to the earth, but Jesus will come in the air and he will catch his church away. In other words, those that have been saved in this church age, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, talks about that. And, and, and I'll not, t- well, yeah, I will too. I think I will take time to read that today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul said, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others, others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Listen to this. For the Lord himself shall ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. That's what the picture is. Shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, that's the rapture of the church. That's that first stage, if you will, of the return of Christ. Uh, Jesus is coming in the air, and those that have been saved in this church age, we're gonna leave the ground. I can't explain all that, but we're gonna leave the ground. There's no longer gonna be a gravitational pull that's gonna hold us here, and we are gonna meet our Savior. We're gonna meet our Lord in the air. You say, Pastor, I won't even fly in an airplane. Are you trying to tell me that I'm gonna take flight that day? That's exactly what I'm telling you, and uh, you won't need a 
stewardess and you won't need an airplane and you won't need a jet engine. Uh, God's going to give you the supernatural ability. He's going to snatch you away, which is what that word is ta- talks about when it says caught away. He's going to snatch his church away. And before people know what happens, it's done. The Bible says in the twinkling of an eye and it's over. So that means that during the rapture of the church, there'll be no time to run down to the church. There'll be no time to call the preacher. Don't call me, friend. (laughs) You're gonna get my voicemail, I promise you that. There'll be no time to read a track. There'll be no time to call that that person you work with that's a Christian. There'll be no time to call a a hotline. There'll be no, no time to call a prayer line. Why? Because the rapture of the church will happen so quickly that by the time it's done, it's over with. And so the rapture of the church, but number two, the return of Christ to the earth. We find that, you can just jot this down, we find that in Revelation 19, verses 11 through 16. And in the return of Christ to the earth, Jesus physically comes to the earth. After seven years of terrible tribulation here on this earth, after the rapture, the tribulation will commence. The first three and a half will be like nothing the world has ever, ever seen But the last three and a half years will be basically the earth in self-destruct mode. And the earth will literally, literally come apart at the scenes. And at the end of the tribulation period, Jesus will come and he will bind Satan for a thousand years and he will begin setting up his earthly kingdom, the millennial reign of Christ, we call it. He'll be setting that up on the earth. And those that are saved will rule and reign with our Lord. Now, what about this thing, Pastor? What are some things associated with the rapture and the return of Christ? My first point's my main point, and after that, we're homeward bound, all right? What are some things associated with the rapture and the return of Christ? Number one is this. Believers will receive a new body. Boy, we could just stop right there and shout for a little while, couldn't we? Believers will receive a new body. I want you to look at it with me today, if you will. Look at 1 Corinthians 15 and look at verse number 51. And I'm gonna answer a question too that was posed uh, about a month and a half ago at Q&A, after the Q&A, by the way. They didn't ask this during Q&A, they asked it afterwards. And, uh, but I'm gonna answer that question this morning, I believe. 1 Corinthians 15 and look at verse 51. The Bible says, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Look what it says. Uh, But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. And so we're going to receive, at the return of Christ, we're going to receive a a, a brand new body. It'll be a supernatural body. Somebody says, Pastor, what's it going to be like? It's going to be like the, it's going to be like the resurrected body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Bible, you don't have to turn there, but our Bible tells us in Philippians chapter three and verse number 20, for our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So here's a question that we get sometimes, and we definitely got this question uh, weeks ago at our, at our Q&A. Preacher, when the rapture takes place and God calls his children home, is there gonna be clothes laying everywhere left behind? Or even more importantly than that, pastor, the Bible tells us that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We read that this morning. And so somebody said, you know, what about when that happens, when the rapture takes place and we're called away, is our flesh and our blood, man, is it gonna, all those Christians that were born again and and the Lord takes them out of this this world, is, is our flesh and our blood, Is it gonna be laying everywhere? And here's my answer to that. I don't think so. And and I'll tell you why I believe it. I believe it because scripture tells us enough to know about that. I don't believe that the remnants of our physical bodies will be left behind. How many many remember the story of Elijah over in the Old Testament? Remember when Elijah and Elisha were talking and Elijah was caught up? Y'all remember that? by a chariot of fire. Uh, it was an Old Testament illustration of a New Testament truth. 
And so Elijah was raptured. He was raptured out to, to go to heaven. And, uh, but I want you to understand that they never found the body of Elijah. How many remember the story over in, I think it's Genesis chapter six, when the Bible says that Enoch walked with God and Enoch was not, for God took him. Did you know they never found the body of Enoch? God took him. And then we, we find that in the, in the tribulation period, about midway through the tribulation period, now the Bible speaks of two witnesses that will be testifying and prophesying during the tribulation period. And those two witnesses will be raptured away and uh, their physical bodies do not remain. But I want to go a little further than that and I want to give you some Bible on what I'm talking about today. When the rapture occurs, our physical bodies, get this now, our physical bodies will put on a supernatural body. Now look back at your passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and look at verse number 53. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 53. Very, very interesting here. The Bible says, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on Hey, church, how many know there's no accident? There's no word that's accidental here in this book right here. God's trying to make us a great point here. And this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. That word put on that's mentioned at least four times in that passage we just read is the Greek word NDO, and it means this. It means in the sense of sinking into a garment. Now, I asked Brother Atley, he's with our, he's with our fire department. And I asked Brother Atley if he would bring me his turnout gear. I'm trying to figure out where's the best place to put this at. And he said, absolutely, preacher. Now we use this, we use this in Bible school a little bit. And I didn't realize until Bible school exactly how all this worked with the fire department. And so, of course, we have the helmet here. We've got his fireproof coat over here. And then we've got the garment here. And it's, and it's just an amazing thing the way they've got all this worked out. So it's all attached. And so here the firemen are, middle of the night. They're at the firehouse. And all of a sudden, the alarm goes off. There's a fire. There's an emergency. Those firemen spring out of bed and they run over to where their turnout gear is. And they, if you will, they sink into their turnout gear. And so, uh, Brother Alec can show you how to do this a little bit later on. And, and uh, he'll take those suspenders and move them out here. And he'll slip his feet down in there. And then he literally pulls the garment up around him. He sinks into that garment and that garment surrounds him. Did you know that's exactly what I believe the Bible is teaching us here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15? That one of these days uh, when Jesus comes, you say, Pastor, what's gonna happen to our body? We are gonna sink into a new supernatural body. That glorified body is literally gonna, uh, it's gonna surround us, it's gonna engulf us, it's gonna, uh, in uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just gonna enshroud us and, uh, and our body will be changed. Now, Somebody says, okay, pastor, but what's it gonna be like? Well, look back at your, at your uh, passage again, and we find out some things about that body, that body that you're gonna receive. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 42. The Bible says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. Look at this next line. It is raised in what? In incorruption. So right now, you and I have, an, we have a corruptible body. Brother Mike said it right. You know what? These bodies wear out. That's why you have to get these things right here. That's why you have to go back and get stronger ones. That's why you have to go to a guy called a dentist. And he has to yank things out or drill things or do root canals. That's why you have to go to the doctor. That's why you take arthritis medicine. That's why you have to get different kind of shoes. You know what? These bodies wear out. 
But the Bible says about this body, it's gonna be an incorruptible body. Look at verse 43. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in what? It is raised in glory, so it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a glorified body. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in what? Power, it's gonna be a powerful body. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a what? Spiritual body. Oh, listen, how many are looking forward to that new body, amen? Hey, no more aches, no more pains, no more glasses, uh, no more medications, no more doctors. Thank God for our doctors, but no more doctors, no more hospitals. Hey, thank God, no more rest homes, no more nursing homes, no more assisted care living. Hey, boy, I wanna tell you what, heaven's gonna be a wonderful place. But I wanna show you something else about that new body. You say, Pastor, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out how all this is, is gonna take place. Well, listen to what our Bible says here. Our Bible says our mortal bodies, we're talking about our cha the change here, our morty, mortal bodies are gonna be what the Bible calls redeemed. Now, I want you to take your Bibles this morning. I know we're doing a little bit of Bible study here, but I want you to take your Bibles, turn to the book of Romans. Romans, and I want you to turn over to Romans chapter number eight, and I wanna show you something that's pretty neat. You say, Pastor, how's all that gonna take place when the Lord returns and we receive these new bodies? I mean, how's, how's all that work together, all right? Uh, Romans chapter eight, and I want you to look at verse number 11, then we're gonna look at several other verses this morning. Romans eight, verse 11, the Bible says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also, notice the word, shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. The word quicken there literally means to revitalize. He is gonna revitalize your mortal body. So that's why I believe, I don't believe that our flesh and blood is gonna be laying around after the, after the church. I believe that when the Lord comes, we are gonna sink into that glorified body and God Almighty is gonna revitalize our mortal bodies. Isn't that what our Bible says? Look at verse 18. For I reckon, Paul says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to, uh, with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who was subjected the same in hope. Now look at verse 21, verse 21. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption, here it is, here it is, into the glorious liberty of the children of God. There's that idea again of putting on. And so our Bible says that we're gonna be, we're gonna be delivered into the glorious liberty of the children of God. But I wanna show you one other thing. Look at verse 23. Verse 23. Romans 8, verse 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves. Hey, have you ever got up in the morning and think, oh man, I don't feel good. Have you ever got up this morning and yet your joints were creaking and aching? And, and uh, am, I, am I identifying with anybody this morning? Look what he says. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first, fruit of the Spirit, first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. Here it is. Waiting for the what? Waiting for the adoption to wit. That word to wit literally means specifically waiting for the adoption to wit, or specifically, the redemption of our what? What's that mean, Pastor? Okay. When I was a kid, and I'm not that old, thank you, Brother Rick, for that one amen <laughs> that I always get. But I remember the day when there was no such thing, all these kids are gonna be like, what? I remember the day when there was no such thing as a two liter. We didn't know what a two liter was. You didn't go to Food Line and get a two liter because number one, it wasn't Food Line, it was Food Town. But if you went there, you didn't get a two liter. And, uh, and I also remember the day when there was no such thing as 20 ounce. 
So you'd run to the convenience store and get you a 20-ounce Diet Coke or a 20-ounce Mountain Dew. Back in that day, soda pop, if that's what you want to call it, came in glass bottles. And you went to the store and you bought a carton. Any other old folks give me an amen this morning? Yeah. You bought a carton of drinks. By the way, it was, and I'll tell you something else, it was a, it was a, uh, it was a luxury. We, we, ne- we didn't get very many. Mama made tea, and so that's usually what we drank. We didn't have, you know, two, three, five, six, two liters in the, in the fridge. We had, you would go to the store, and you would buy a carton, usually eight, but you'd buy a carton of drinks and uh, Pepsi or, or Coke or whatever the case may be, and it was in a glass bottle, and you would have to pop the lid. You didn't screw the lid off. You popped the lid off of it. And by the way, it's one of the best drinks you'll ever have. Nothing else compares. Wait a minute now. You say, Pastor, are you going somewhere with this? Yeah. We would drink those glass bottle drinks, but then we wouldn't just throw the bottles around. You would save the glass bottles and you would put the empty bottles back in the carton. You say, why'd you do that? Because we were, oh yes, good neighbor. Because we planned on redeeming those glass bottles for new bottles, for new drinks. And so you'd take that carton of glass bottles that you, you drank them all and you'd put those, those bottles, didn't just leave them laying around, you didn't leave them behind, you put them back in the carton, you took that carton or two, whatever the case may be, you took it back to the grocery store and you traded that old carton in and they, they gave you a certain amount off for the new drinks and so you traded the old in and you got the new. Did you know that's exactly what our Bible is teaching us? That one of these days when Jesus comes, our body, yes, our body is gonna be redeemed. Thank God he doesn't leave us laying around. Thank God he doesn't discard us. No, one of these days, this body that you see right here, thank God I'm gonna trade it in for a new designer model. And so are you. And so if you're saved, that is. And so what are some things, Pastor, that are, that, that are associated with the rapture and the second coming of Christ? Believers will receive a new body. Let me give you this quickly. Number two, believers will require a new body. They will require a new body. Why, Pastor? Because of what they're getting ready to experience. The next event on God's prophetic calendar after the rapture of the church will be the judgment seat of Christ. And there is something that I want to point out real fast. In Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter 1 talks about the glorified Christ. Revelation chapter 2 talks about the church. Revelation chapter 3 talks about the church. And then we come to Revelation chapter 4, verse number 1. And we believe that that's indicative of the rapture of the church. And John said, I was called up to heaven. And, and, And listen to this now. We believe that's the rapture, the rapture. And one of the things that John said was this. The very first thing he saw in heaven was a throne. You read it for yourself. John said, I was caught up to that heaven and he said, the very first thing that I saw, Revelation 4 verse 2, and immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. Listen, you say, Pastor, are you excited about the street of gold? Absolutely. Pastor, are you excited about the gates of pearl? Yes. Pastor, are you excited about the new body? Yes. Are you excited about uh, the crystal river and the tree of life? And are you excited about uh, uh, the Lord Jesus leading us to to living fountains of waters? Are you excited about uh, meeting and greeting your loved ones and your relatives and and loving on them for eternity? Are you excited about meeting the Savior and, and sitting at his feet and worshiping the Savior? Yes. But I want you to understand something that before you do any of that there's a throne there's a throne and there's one seated on that throne and we'll have to have that glorified body to kneel before him and stand before him and so I'm moving quickly we notice that believers will receive a new body believers will require a new body how about this quickly we notice that Believers will be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. If you're not still in 1 Corinthians 15, just turn over there real quickly, if you will. 1 Corinthians 15, we're almost done. But give me just a little grace this morning. 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 58. 
Now, Paul takes a a large part of the chapter and he talks about the return of Christ. He talks about the rapture of the church. He talks about the trumpet sounding. He talks about us being caught away. He talks about us being changed. And then in verse number 58, 1 Corinthians 58, Paul says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why, preacher? Look at this. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Hey, church, I want to tell you something. Your service is not in vain. If you get here early and you open up the church, and sometimes you say, boy, preacher, nobody knows I do that. He knows. You come here on an off day, nobody's here. Man, you're running dust mops and you're vacuuming, you're cleaning restrooms and, and uh, you're in there, you're cleaning toilets, you know, and you're thinking, man, nobody knows I'm here. Oh, yeah, somebody knows. Somebody knows, he knows. Man, you serve as an usher or you serve in the nursery or teach a Sunday school class faithful, uh, faithfully every Sunday and sometimes the devil comes and the devil says, it's not worth it, it's not worth it, it's not worth it. And here our Bible tells us it is worth it because one of these days when Jesus comes again, we will be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. And so again, I'm just trying to point out something. Hey, believers, we'll receive a new body. Believers, We'll require a new body. Believers will be rewarded the judgment seat of Christ. Wait a minute. What about unbelievers? What about unbelievers? Well, I want to tell you something about unbelievers. Unbelievers will not receive a new body. And they'll not require necessarily a new body. And they'll definitely not be rewarded. But we find in our scripture that believers will suffer, unbelievers will suffer rejection. Now let me show you, and and we are done. This is the last place I'm gonna take you as far as our scripture is concerned. But I want you to turn over to Matthew chapter 25 with me. Matthew 25, and look at verse number one. Matthew 25, verse one. And I'll read quickly. Matthew 25, verse one. And while you're finding your place, I'm gonna go ahead and read. Start reading, Matthew 25, verse one. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, verse four. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps while the bridegroom tarried. They all slumbered and slept, verse six. And at midnight there was a cry made, behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps and the foolish said unto the wise, give us of your oil for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered saying, not so, lest there not be enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. Beulah land, I'm longing for you. Why are you longing for Beulah land, pastor? Because One of these days, I'm going to sink into a brand new garment. I'm going to put off this old body, and he's going to redeem this old carton for a new carton. Not only that, but I'm going to receive rewards. But those here today who are lost, those who are lost, you don't have that to look forward to. You don't have a reward to look forward to. You say, Pastor, quit trying to sound so bleak. I can't make it sound bleak enough. You're not going to receive joy. You're not going to receive contentment. You're not going to receive fulfillment. If you're here this morning and you're lost, you'll be on your way to hell. I found a little story this week, and I just, I just, and usually I don't read a story to you, but I want to just, if you don't mind, I'm just going to read this little story to you. Take about 60 seconds. But listen to this. This little family, I was reading this little story about this family, and it was Christmas time. And so they said, we were on our annual Christmas track to Chicago. Every year we brought our family uh, 
to spend time with grandpa and grandma and visit the museums. This year, we, we decided to finish our Christmas shopping at Woodfield Mall there in Chicago. And in the midst of all the fun and excitement, one of us noticed that little three-and-a-half-year-old Matthew was gone. Terror immediately struck our hearts. We had heard the horror stories. Little children kidnapped in malls, rushed to a restroom, donned in different clothes and altered hairstyle, and then swiftly smuggled out, never to be seen again. We split up, each taking an assigned location. Mine was the parking lot. I'll never forget that night kicking through the newly fallen snow, calling out his name at the top of my lungs. He said, I felt like an abject fool, yet my concern for his safety outweighed all other feelings. Unsuccessful, I trudged back to our meeting point. My wife, Marty, had not found him, nor had my mother. And then my dad appeared. Holding little Matthew by the hand, our hearts leapt for joy. Interestingly enough, Matthew was untraumatized. He had not been crying. To him, there had been no problem. I asked my father where he found him. The, can the candy counter, he replied. You should have seen him. His eyes came just about as high as the candy. He held his little hands behind his back and moved his head back and forth, surveying all the luscious options. Matthew didn't look lost. In fact, Matthew didn't know he was lost. He had no idea that he was in absolute, unexplainable danger. What's the point of your story, preacher? Hundreds and hundreds of people are like that today. They think they're okay. The devil's got them duped. They're looking at distractions. And what they don't know is they're lost. They're lost. And what they don't realize is that today, March the 12th, 2023, today could be the day when Jesus comes. We say we'll come back tonight, but we don't know that for sure. You see, before this service is done, before you make it to your car, before you go to, to, to Sunday afternoon lunch, or before you, you go home and change your clothes, the Lord may come, the trumpet may sound, Jesus may come again. You say, oh, pastor, that's not gonna happen. Listen, our Bible says when you least expect it, that's when it's gonna happen. Jesus could come, may come, probably will come before this day is done. So here's my question. Are you ready? Are you ready? If in the next five seconds, the trumpet of God sounded and all of a sudden you started seeing these folks on these rows, take off, take off, take off. Go, go, go back, brother Rick, brother Mike, go back to that screen of those people taking off from the ground. You say, preacher, you're trying to scare me. Yeah, you got that right. I wish I could. What, happened, what would happen if the trumpet of God sounded? I mean, in the next five seconds, the trumpet of God sounded, and all of a sudden, the people beside you started going. I mean, started going. Started taking off, started taking off. How about you? Would you go? Do you know that you know that you know that you're saved and that you're going to heaven? You may be here this morning, you say, Pastor, everybody thinks I'm saved. Listen, I want you to do this. On March the 12th, 2023, I want you to forget about what everybody thinks. Right. And today, if you're not sure, I want you to come to the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me all over the house this morning? Father, thank you for this time we've had together today. Lord, I do pray now that you'll bless in this time of invitation. Lord, it seems like, it seems like very regularly on Sunday we're having people come Lord, who are raising their hand about, Lord, they're not sure of heaven. They're not sure they're going to heaven. Lord, there could be some here today, young, old. Lord, it could be folks that go here all the time. It could be folks that are visiting for the first time. It could be somebody watching by way of the live stream. 
But if that trumpet were to sound right now and Jesus were to come, Lord, they don't have that full assurance that they're on their way to heaven. So Lord, right now, would you give them faith to believe and faith to receive Jesus as their personal Savior? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just a question or two. How many are here this morning? How many are here this morning? I'm gonna change it up today. Without anybody looking, every head is bowed and every eye is closed. How many are here this morning and right now you're getting ready to be absolutely honest? And you'd say, Pastor, if I died, I am not sure I'm on my way to heaven. And oh my, I need somebody to pray for me. If that's you in the quietness of this moment, would you just slip your hand up very quietly? Just slip it up, just slip it up. And would you let me pray for you right now? Just slip it up and raise it high where I don't miss you. Would you do that? Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure. I see that hand. Who else? Preacher, if I died right now, I'm not sure that I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there any other here today, right now? Just, I see that little hand right there. Thank you. Who else? Preacher, if I died right now, I'm not sure of heaven. I want you to pray for me. I see that hand. Who else? Come on, come on. Be honest. Be honest with the Lord. Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Pastor, I want to go. I do want to go. I'm just not sure I would. I want you to pray for me. Who else? Come on. Come on. Are you going to let pride take you to hell? Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure of heaven. Pray for me. Pray for me. You slip your hand up. Anybody else? I want to pray for you this morning. Anybody? Just raise it up and wave it at me. I want to pray for you. How many of you here this morning, you say, Pastor, if Jesus were to come today, I have people that I love. I mean, I, folks that are very close to my heart. And unless I'm seriously mistaken, they're like that little boy standing in front of the candy counter. They're lost and on their way to hell. And I need you to pray. I need you to pray for them, preacher. Pray for them that God will convict their heart and they'll come to the Lord. If that's you this morning, right now, you'd slip your hand up. You'd say, preacher, pray for them. Pray for them this morning. Pray for them this morning. Many, many hands, many hands across the room. Hey, Christian, can I ask you a question? Are you being the witness that you ought to be to your lost loved ones, trying to get them to Christ before the time is too late? You say, Pastor, in all honesty, I am not. I'm not. Okay, here's what I want you to do in just a moment. I want you to come. I want you to come. I want you to dedicate your life to the Lord. Lord, give me a better witness. God, give me a boldness. Give me power to reach my loved ones with the gospel. I want you to do that. If you're here this morning and you have loved ones that are lost, maybe today you need to come and just, just mention their name to Jesus. So let's all stand right now. Father, we thank you for your blessings. And Lord, thank you that you're coming again. Thank you that you're coming. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be ready. Lord, help us to be ready for the trumpet to sound. Help us to be ready to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Father, these that have raised their hands and said that they're not sure of heaven. Father, right now, I pray you'd work in their heart. And God, I pray today that they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Father, I pray for those that raised their hands and said they have loved ones that are lost and undone without the Lord. God, today I pray that they would come and, and pray and beg God to save their loved ones, those that, Lord, today need to come. And God, I pray you give them extra boldness. Lord, I pray that you'd increase their witness, their influence, and God, help them to reach their lost loved ones for the cause of Jesus Christ. Father, have your way in this invitation. Do what you know needs to be done. 
and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. How about you? Do you need to come? Do you need to come? While we wait just for a moment, we're just gonna pause for a moment. Preacher, I need to be saved. Oh, friend, listen, don't you, don't you be left behind, especially after hearing a message like this. Don't you be left behind. We love you. But even more than that, God loves you. And he sent his son for you and he wants to save you today. You say, Pastor, I'm a, but Pastor, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I try to do good things. I, I try to help in the community and, and, uh, and I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good person. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Our Bible tells us that our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And so friend, I want you to understand there's nothing you can do to make, your, to make yourself worthy of heaven. John chapter one, verse 12 says it like this, to as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. If you'd be willing to open your life to Christ right now, he'll save you. This very moment, he'll save you. Would you come while folks are on the altar, folks are praying, would you come? Don't wait, don't wait. Father, I'm thankful for your blessings. Lord, I'm thankful for what you're doing here Sunday after Sunday. And I don't know all that's going on in the altars this morning, but I'm thankful for it. I pray, Father, that you might do a supernatural work today in hearts and lives. And Father, as we get ready to close this service, Father, if there are people here today and they're not ready, they're not ready for heaven. Oh God, help this day to be the day. Father, help them to, to be, be ready to see the Lord. God, please give them faith. Draw them to yourself, Lord. Please do it, please do it. And we thank you.